I'm Dan. And I'm Alex. And welcome back to On Air with Dan and Alex. How have you been? <laughs> wow. With Dan and Alex. Yes, I have been great. I had one of those weeks since we recorded last week where I have been sleeping anytime I can because my schedule has been so messed up from flying, taking red eyes and then going to a wedding that started at 5 a.m. and ended at 11 p.m. and all this very crazy stuff dealing with time zones and just trying to it's one of those things where you're just doing everything you can to survive and now I'm happy it's over although everything was a lot of fun yeah it gets to that point doesn't it I mean you're not do you would you risk taking a nap you know the whole you arrive in the morning you you know oh I'll just put my head down for a couple of hours bam you wake up and it's dark (laughs) yeah you need like a wake-up call or something to guarantee that you won't sleep all day I so the flight I booked to Southeast Asia last week I told you all I was flying Saudia so the flight landed in Kuala Lumpur at 5 30 a.m which is in the Middle East where I was before that's 1 1:30 a.m which isn't too late at night although it's late by my standards but I figured, okay, I'll land. I booked a day rate at a hotel at Kuala Lumpur Airport and decided, okay, we're going to sleep, try to get six hours of sleep after we land and then maybe wake up at 1 p.m. So what happened, what I didn't anticipate is that some by some miracle on my Saudi flight from Jeddah to Kuala Lumpur, I literally fell asleep after the meal service and got six hours of great sleep on the plane. Then I landed and I was like, wow. wait a minute. Now we have this day room. So we ended up getting another six hours of sleep. But that was very needed based on what happened the following days and what happened right after. Because Alex, I was flying from Kuala Lumpur to Singapore after that day flight or after that day room. And I missed the flight for the first time in my life and we were going to our friend's wedding i'm like i can't miss this oh my god yeah well, i want to know why. okay so you text <laughs> me you 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 text me saying that you were i i said how's you know i asked you a question I, I don't know even it was completely unrelated to your travels and you said listen i'm gonna have to get back to you on that and i was thinking there's no way you're still traveling and then you said there's been a whole bunch of things i've missed a flight you have missed a flight you I was thinking I impossible, but but now I'm hearing that this is the, for the first time in your life you genuinely missed the plane. How the hell did that happen to you? And <laughs> the fact that I mean the way the universe works, of course it happens on the eve of your best friend's wedding. Yeah, it. The funny thing is, I remember what you texted me about. You were like, "When is the YouTube video coming up for the podcast?" And I was like. <gasps> Because in all the stress, I had completely neglected to think about that. I was like, the podcast episode is up. It's fine. But (laughs) you literally texted me just... So what happened was we checked in an hour and a half before the flight. All normal, all fine. Uh, I have the highest status in one world. So priority check-in, all that. Then we go down to immigration. And I have never seen lines like that. It was 3 p.m., or I guess 2.30, the lines were, I've never seen lines like that in Kuala Lumpur, I should say. It was like literally the whole area for immigration was just packed. 
So we thought, all right, this is going to be cutting it a bit close. We have an hour and 20 minutes until our flight leaves, which means 50 minutes in Kuala Lumpur until the gate closes. But then we get in line. We, we're not in business class because I figured it's a like a 30 minute flight. Economy is fine on Malaysia Airlines when you have the highest status. And then 45. What a man of the people. <laughs> so relatable. Uh then 45 minutes later, so five minutes before our gate is closing, we are still really far from the immigration desks. I was estimating it would be another 20 minutes. And you had had all these other airlines like Sri Lankan Airlines coming. Anyone on Sri Lanka Airlines to Colombo, they would collect their passengers and the passengers would come with them to some priority line. But being Malaysia Airlines hub... Most people there are probably flying Malaysia Airlines, so they were not doing that. And I was like, er, okay, gate closing in five minutes. This is not good. What should we do? So I left Oscar in the line. I went to ask a uh, someone who worked there, an immigration officer who was like directing people. And I said, our, our gate closed in five minutes. What should we do? He said, oh, just go to the business class line, you know, show them your boarding pass that uh, your gate closes so soon and they'll let you through. So... I drag Oscar out of line out of after 45 minutes. We go to the business yeah. class line and he goes, who told you to come here? I go, um, your colleague over there. What's his name? Um, I didn't catch his name. Uh, you go get him and take him here now. And I'm like, okay, our gate closed in five minutes, but doesn't matter. Like You're not you flying business time class. to yeah. be... You know, like, like you have time to be now dealing with some disciplinary action between a superior and a junior staff member or whatever. I hate those scenarios. I'm like, listen, this is the instructions that we were given by your colleague. You can take this up and you can discuss this to the end of the earth once I have passed by your counter. Literally, I'm like, so you want us to miss our flight right now so you can discipline your colleague? And then he's like, I mean, I didn't say that, but I'm like, so you're not letting us through clearly yeah uh so i go back to find his colleague who is then gone and i'm like oh my god of course <laughs> it's like you know was he a ghost was he real so i'm scouring oh god <laughs> i'm scouring the whole room like where is this guy trying to remember what he looked like and then i notice him far away sitting behind an immigration desk now i'm like how did you get there in this time to be sitting behind the desk so i sort of awkwardly make my way there i'm signaling to him i'm like hello hello like hands waving above my head and he's just like motioning to me to get in line so i literally start <laughs> I'm just imagining right because because listeners dan is quite literally the tallest person in the room at any one time okay especially in malaysia and, uh, and definitely the tallest person at immigration kuala lumpur so i'm just imagining how noticeable this was because there is nothing discreet about the idea of dan with both arms waving to this guy who's gesturing him to get back in queue despite him being the guy that told him to leave the queue in the first literally place. So finally, I managed to get, there's a, he has a colleague that walked by and I tell her, listen, this guy who's sitting there told us to go to the business class line. Now his colleague won't let us through. Our boarding is closing in two minutes. So she goes to discuss with him. 
he still isn't coming. So I literally start loudly saying, your colleague will not let us through. <laughs> so finally, he God. leaves the booth. He comes to us. And I'm like, I, I check out his name tag. I go, okay, I know what his name is. And then I'm like, yeah, your colleague won't let us through. He's saying that you need to come with us to, to vouch for us. And he's like, uh, yeah, I can't come. So I'm like, so what should we do then? Okay, just get in the normal economy like, line again. What's the plan? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. It's a, have you seen in Modern Family, Claire would always say, what's the plan, Phil? Yeah, that's <laughs> how I What is the plan? I was you like, told us to leave the queue. <laughs> yeah, rude. So I tell, so I'm like, what are we supposed to do then? He's like, oh, just get back in the normal line. I'm like, you mean the line we just spent 45 minutes in and weren't even close to the start? Yeah. Shit. So I'm like, so what, what sh you told us to leave that line and go to the business class line? Well, you shouldn't have. I'm like, okay, so you're sitting in a booth. Can't you just help us? No. <laughs> so at that point, I'm like, my God, my he goodness. Was, he was uh, gaslighting you. I mean, this is, he this was, this is this insane. Basically, at that point, I was like, well, we've missed the flight. <laughs> Because there was nothing we yeah. could really do at that point. The line was so long. There was no way we could ask people to go ahead. And uh, yeah, that's how we missed the flight. Okay, so I'm sorry I'm like telling such a long story about this. But uh, do you want to hear the rest? Of course. <laughs> By the way, should we mention here what my your nickname for me was in 2016 after... A similar thing happened, but that time I did catch the flight. <laughs> I, I, I was planning on bringing it up whether you were going to ask me or not. It's at this point that I want to bring attention to a nickname that I've had for Dan for a very, very long time. You see, many years ago, he was in a situation somewhere in... Were you in Gothenburg back No, then? in Oslo. Did this... Oh, it happened. Okay, same thing. No, I'm joking. Anyway, so <laughs> it was in Oslo. And, and at Oslo, he you were late for the flight? I wouldn't say we cut it so close in this Malaysia Airlines one. I mean, one and a half hours. Sorry, normal. sorry, sorry. I'm but asking you about Oslo. It's a yes or no answer. Yes, we were. We got to check in one hour and 10 minutes before the flight. So 10 minutes before ch checking closed with business class. Yeah priority i should say okay so you're at oslo okay you're basically a kid it's maybe after knowing you for around a year or so yeah and you decide because uh this is your thinking at the time that because you are in business and because you are near the check-in cutoff time you cut the business class queue and go to the front on the basis that your your check-in is about to close and you you piss off a whole bunch of Norwegian frequent flyers and everyone else on the Scandi network. And the nickname that somebody leaves in the comment section of your YouTube video is born. We, we, we get the nickname for you, Line Cutter Dan, right? <laughs> and Line Cutter Dan is, is a comment that was left in one of these. It's probably still there if you scroll back to some of his old YouTube videos when he was cutting lines here, there and everywhere. So he, he becomes line cutter Dan. And then ever since then, that's still a nickname until today. I mean, you know, I very rarely like to text, you know, good morning, Dan. I'd much rather say like, you know, hey, line cutter, you know, yeah. horror story or whatever, because it's just anything to trigger a, a, a childhood trauma, I think would is a, is a great message for Dan to receive. <laughs> and the 
so the fact that we are now speaking in early 2024 and he's still doing this shit, he's still doing line cutter Dan <laughs> activities. You're sick. You are sick. <laughs> Kuala Lumpur and, and Malaysia. I'm so sorry on behalf of my co-host that he didn't accurately, you know, time management and plan and 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 factor in all these different you know scenarios of the fact that he would be in an immigration queue with a european passport in southeast asia uh, eager to get to his uh, day room and and put you all in this position and i'm especially sorry to the staff member who so perfectly <laughs> gaslighted you us, and, yeah. uh, he misled you because he's best friends what you don't know is he's best friends with that lovely young woman in Nairobi, who detained you in the mall a few weeks ago. <laughs> They've been coordinating ever since. Anyway, so to take us back. Yeah. So, okay, you missed the flight. What happens? Listen, I just want to have a short discussion about cutting lines here because <laughs> although I of did get... Of course you do. <laughs> La, line, line cutter Dan wants to discuss cutting lines. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. Although I did get the nickname Line Cutter Dan, I think... For someone who takes like a hundred flights a year, I have maybe asked to cut lines three or four times in my adult life since that time when I became Line Cutter Dan. This was one of them, although I didn't even really ask to cut a line. I just asked, what should we do? And he told me, I think that yeah. for anyone, it is okay to have to cut lines sometimes. I feel like every yeah. five trips I take, there's someone in the check-in line or someone in the security line who says, I'm about to miss my flight. Can I please pass? Who in their right mind is so much of an asshole that they would say no in that situation? I think I the only time that yes. happens is when <laughs> the only time that happens is when I glance at that boarding pass and I say, we're on the same flight, buddy. Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, please. I know, I know. Or sometimes when it's a really inexperienced traveler and they show you their boarding pass and you go, no, 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 this is not when your flight leaves. This is when boarding begins. So your flight doesn't leave yeah. in 20 minutes. Your boarding begins in 20 minutes, something like that. But generally, I'm just like one time, one time. Uh, a guy came behind me, a guy came behind me and he said to me, he said, sorry, excuse me. I was in like the zigzag BA queue and he was like, I, I need to, uh, I need to, my, you're all flustered, trying to tell me he's late, right? And he, he's showing me his boarding pass. And I said to him, oh God, I said, yeah, your, yeah, your boarding is now and your flight closes, like your gate closes in 20 minutes. And he was, oh, yeah, from Gatwick. And we were at Heathrow. <laughs> that was it. His, his issues were far beyond what he could ever have imagined oh <laughs> poor guy that is bad oh my gosh uh yeah then you're like please go ahead <laughs> but it's funny you say the thing about the the you know being compassionate and you know having understanding when there are genuinely passengers late but also when there is not a Q, right? Because, and I, I say that, I don't know if you're familiar, if you can think of different airports that have this setup. If you think of security, so this, this always happens at Malaga, right? At security at Malaga, you have initially, as you approach security, you have a whole bunch of tables, loads of tables that are in front of, so before the scanner, and everyone 
gets a tray from anywhere. The trays are literally scattered around everywhere on trolleys. Picks up and goes to the table to start sorting out their stuff. And then once they've sorted out their stuff, they pick up the trays and go to start walking over to the belts, right? It's not a queue. It's not... In, in most scenarios, it's not a queue because people are just using any free table to organize their stuff. And then they go to the scanners, to the to where the conveyor belt begins, to then start queuing and, and you know, place one by one and then, and then walk through. And that's always how it's been. Some people either confuse it as a queue when categorically it's not because if you're... If you're, if the tray, if the table that is uh, available with the tray is over on the far left, that's where people go because they need to sort out their stuff and then they walk around to the scanner. So one time I was leaving, I was with mum and we were leaving. We had everything already situated. We were holding the trays that we had found trays at an earlier closed security scanner lane. And we had hand luggage only. We didn't have any liquids. It was literally a case. And we, we had literally no luggage. It was put the bag in, pick it up. I didn't have a laptop with me, nothing. We were, we were there for like two days. And, uh, and so it was completely easy. And then there's like 25 people at these ta- this table area, you know, sorting out their lives, arranging their keys and whatever. None of them are near the scanner. The scanner is absolutely empty. The belt and conveyor belt is absolutely empty. So we walk around all of them and we say to the Spanish couple who were the closest to the scanners are you like done are you going and she was like oh no 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 like they need extra they need more time so we're like okay so we proceed to the empty belt and uh, and scanner we put our things in we march through and as we go through like we've cleared security and we're waiting the security officer tasked with inspecting on the screens what is in the bags says to us why have you gone before all those people and there's no one behind us. Oh there's a God. massive gap. And in the back, there's the tables where everyone is unpacking and repacking and so on and so on. None of them are, are anywhere near ready to be going through security yet. And they're far. And we were like, because uh, there's no one here. She was like, no, it's the queue. You have to, you have to go uh, behind all those people at the, where the trays are. And when they come, you come after them. And I said, we were like, no, that's not how it works here. <laughs> so it's not a queue. And she, that that was it. Just just by responding, saying no, and also, look. I mean, we've now been speaking for two minutes. There's no one anywhere near, even remotely behind us, because they were also far away and not done. Just because I said no, that's not how it is. Within seconds, she aggressively threw her stuff down, paused the machine, stood up, had put, had an earpiece in, started speaking incredibly quickly in Spanish. But I was saying, oh my God, I mean, I can understand quite a bit. I was saying, she is calling the police. What? <laughs> yeah. And the police come and she's saying, rip up their boarding passes. Rip up their boarding passes. They're not traveling. They cut the queue. And we're saying to the police, there's no queue. We didn't, there's, look, look. But if there was a queue that we'd cut, where is the queue behind us? There is no one. So then, <laughs> this, by now, the Spanish couple are now ready to come through. And we say to her, you said it was fine, right? Because, and, and she was saying, yes, we were just, we were not, you know, they were not at the scanners. Of course, the police were absolutely on the side of this jumped up, power tripping security officer woman 
who was going ballistic in Spanish, da, 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 saying, uh, rip up their boarding passes, they're not traveling, they've broken, they've broken the laws. The laws? What? <laughs> yeah. da, 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 da. And she's going, she's going, give me your boarding passes, give me your boarding passes. And I was like, what? And the moment I hesitated, the police officer was saying in Spanish, this is an order, give the boarding passes. I'm like, you know what, take them, take them. I've got them on my phone anyway. Take these paper <laughs> copies. Right? So, so they take it, they take it, they take the boarding passes, he screws it up and walks off. Then he goes, give me your passport. I said, my passport, why? He said, give us your passport. And then because I hesitated again, he put his hand behind his back like he was gesturing that he's about to get his baton out. Oh, right? Like what? God. You're going to hit me? Yeah. For, for for are you guys serious? Yeah. And we're standing and we're, we're saying to them, are, are you guys, are, are we seeing the same situation here? We are in an empty security scanner. By the way, all this time that all those people that were still at, far away at the tables are still packing and repacking to, like their families. They're nowhere near the belts, right? The Spanish couple have now come through, but they're just they're, they're unable to walk through the scanners because because our officers walked off on his power tripping and they're just standing there in disbelief as to why we are being screamed at by these uh, police and the security officers. He says, give you a passport. So gave the passports. As I've given him the passports, he walked off 15 minutes. Didn't say where I was going with them. Didn't say what he was doing with them. Nothing. It was absolutely unprofessional. It was completely like outrageous abuse of power for for yeah. nothing at all. I mean, I was saying, look at the CCTV footage now, guys. There is, in fact, there is still nobody here. Like, what are you guys doing? And he said, write down your address on this piece of paper now. I said, my address? He was like, where do you live? I was like, in the Middle East. He was like, write down where you live now, the full address. <laughs> so I wrote down, yeah, okay. One Good Yemen luck understanding road, this, Yemen. buddy, right? <laughs> Literally, one Yemen road, Yemen, okay? <laughs> in, in the style of friends, yeah. okay? Oh, no, I'm not even joking, right? <laughs> and and uh, uh, giving it to him, and he's reading it, and he's, he's of course, he's trying to understand it, right? And he's like... Uh, um, which is the street name? I'm like, well, we don't have street names. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, um, oh, just ridiculous. And then he was like, oh, and then she she was saying to the the uh, police officers, you took their boarding passes. Yes, yeah, so they're not traveling. And he was like, yeah, yeah, we took the boarding passes. She All she wanted to make sure is that for some reason we were not traveling. She thought that we were then going to come back out, you know, go back to the landslide or whatever. I had the boarding passes on my phone. She was... <laughs> took her name, sent in a Good. full report Good. of her. Yeah, funnily enough, the security officers, we recognize many of them, like you, you, they become familiar over, you know, 10, 15 years of doing that journey all the time. We've never seen her since. We have never seen her since. I don't know what that means, but we've never seen her since. And believe me, we would recognize her because she was nuts. She was awful. And yeah, and you know, that's that's the... I guess that's somehow links with your story, but this was a far more innocent. <laughs> oh yeah, you are so innocent. No, but that, I mean, <laughs> airport employee power trips, that was the same thing as the guy in the business class line who didn't want to let us through on principle and wanted to discipline his colleague. And I'm just like, why do people have to make things so complicated? Like just everyone is just, especially when people are traveling, everyone's just trying to get where they need to go. Like, just make things as easy as possible. But yeah, at the same time, I will say that it's no one else's fault that we miss our flight, but our own. Although there should never be a one hour plus line for immigration. Those two things can be acknowledged at the same time. 
then mm-hmm. what did we have to do? So w- there were several more Malaysia Airlines flights that day, but I was like, I don't want to be rebooked on Malaysia because our bag, who knows what will happen with it. We had a big checked bag with our suits, our shoes, everything we needed for the wedding. We didn't think to bring those in our carry-ons because we thought it's just a simple one-way short flight. So mm. instead, we go up to the Malaysia Airlines ticketing desk. They can't do anything because the flight hasn't left yet. So we just say, we just want our bag back. How can we reclaim it? So I, I'm going to make a whole vlog about this. It's a very long story. But basically, two hours later, after going to going into the luggage claim and all types of stuff, we had our bag oh, and we no. rebooked on Batik Air, which is a Malaysian low-cost airline. Why? Because they had $100 fares in business class. So real business class, short-haul seats. Um, for $100 a person, our Malaysia Airlines tickets were like $60 a person in economy, maybe 70 So here it's like, yeah, okay, obviously we're doing this. We'll get priority security. We check in again. Everything is fine. <laughs> we get to security and there is literally not a person there this time around <laughs> wow you were being you were being trolled I by know. the malaysian authorities yeah we were like thank goodness we booked business class so we, <laughs> we went through get to our gate and the final kind of interesting thing here is that i was thinking after everything that has happened with boeing and the 737 max let's avoid that plane for a while we get to the gate and what aircraft is it a 737 max that's because it just says 737 when you book batik there's no distinction what type of 737 but yeah the flight was fine we made it to singapore at 9 p.m ahead of our 5 a.m start the next day instead of 4 p.m as planned but it all went fine the wedding was great so that was the story of getting there he tightened the bolts on his 737 max himself folks did it (laughs) Did it himself. That's but it why he was so wa- exhausted. It really makes you out. wonder the crew. Like, I was, even I was a little bit uneasy. Of course, we know it's safe, but you just feel like something could go wrong. And it makes you wonder about the crew who are spending day in and day out on 737 Maxes. Are they just super jaded or do they somehow also wish they were on a normal 737 instead? Yeah, it's a, we should try and find out. Actually, that's that's a good point because uh, let's speak to some crew friends and so on. I'd say that the majorities are so used to it that they just think, you know, no, there's there is no real issue. But so you had an amazing time at the wedding. I saw photos and videos of the wedding that looked incredible. And yeah. my congratulations to your best friend, April Lynn, and to her other half because that looked really, really fun. And I was watching, I, I rewatched those two reels that you posted. I rewatched them like three times each to properly take it in because that we are in this digital generation where, you know, finally, when, when someone's posting a decent video, this is a compliment, by the way, you, you do post decent videos. That's probably <laughs> the only compliment I'll give you on today's episode. So, Thank you. and he, uh, the, it's, it all happens so quick because everything's now, for a 20 second TikTok style video on social media. Mm-hmm. So so you're like, we, we arrived in the morning and it's like a, a, a <laughs> yeah. clip for one and a half seconds, moves on. And so I'm constantly doing that thing where, you know, if you slightly slide your phone, your iPhone screen to the right, it pauses 
the whole when you're yeah, doing yeah. so that I can take it in. Um, and that's me at almost 27 years old. How is it anyone <laughs> of age, you know, absorbing yeah. uh, this kind of instant style? But so you you pop to Singapore, you have this wedding, and then you journey back with Saudia. And you said to me that you have, you know, an interesting, this is before you even journeyed back, you were saying, you were teasing how you had something to tell me about the return journey. So yeah. I'll this make is it that quick. time to tell me. <laughs> We Go just on. should give a shout out here to Singaporeans for being so amazing. Alex and I both love Singaporeans and Singapore. We talk yeah. about it all the time. Yeah. And literally when I come to Singapore, Singapore, I feel like it's being well I'm being welcomed home. Like there's so many people who watch oh. my videos there and several people said they love the podcast. Several people. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was we love we love so you too Singapore. <laughs> So flying back, the flight that I was going to tell you about last week, I feel like maybe we'll, I don't know how we're going to have time to discuss this, but basically when I was looking at this round trip ticket on Saudia, I noticed on the return, I was like, okay, 787, that's good. It's a nice seat. And I was scrolling around to check different dates, um, mainly to see how long we were going to stay in Malaysia after the wedding, one day, no days. And then I noticed, what is this? aircraft type is 74E. So I'm thinking 747? I know Saudia has 747s, but they usually don't fly to these types of destinations. So after some confirming via different sources, I find out this flight is indeed operated by a 747. So I look up Saudia 747s. They have two active ones. But they don't actually belong to Saudi. They belong to Air Atlanta Europe, which is a leasing company based out of Iceland. So yes. when, once you go down this rabbit hole, you start realizing that these 747s, since they started operating for Saudi, there are zero pictures of the interior. There are zero huh. seat maps to show you what the layout is like. There is literally no information about these planes whatsoever. And the unique thing is that this plane was not flying from Kuala Lumpur to Jeddah or Riyadh, but it was flying to Medina. So I was like, let's do it. <laughs> 747. Well, with hold a on. If it's flying cabin. to... So you you were flying from from where? Where Kuala were you flying Lumpur, from? Singapore. Kuala Lumpur from Kuala to Lumpur. Medina. So Kuala Lumpur to Medina, this is... A, this is a, it's an umrah, yeah, an umrah umrah, route, umrah. yeah, so this is for Umrah because obviously we're not at the time of year for Hajj, but this is an Umrah route where uh, Muslims f uh, from around the world, but specifically from this, from here in Southeast Asia, are going to uh, to do Umrah, which is in Mecca, which is the uh, the religious capital of Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but Mecca doesn't have an airport, I don't think, right? So people fly to... People can fly to Jeddah or people Medina. People fly to Medina. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But people also want to go to Medina on their uh, Umrah tours. So I was also thinking this flight is yeah. going to have a fascinating crowd. All I knew from Google Flights, that was the biggest indication I could get of the cabin, was that, okay, business class is angled, lie flat. It said there was in-flight entertainment. I was like, hmm. So going back even further, digging, digging more and more in the history of that aircraft, I saw, okay, their two 747s are both former Air France planes. 
So could it be Mm. that the cabins are still air frames? But it didn't make sense because when I was able to select a seat, there were, I think, four rows of two, two business class. So I was thinking, all right, this must be the upper deck or this this just doesn't align with the Air France former 747 layout. So you can imagine yeah. in 2024, the feeling of boarding a flight and having no idea what to expect from the mm. interior, from from really anything. And I, I have to say... After the flight, well, that would have been that would have, <laughs> that would have been me offloading myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely. But um, I have to say, I'm not going to share too much about the flight itself because there's going to be a YouTube video in about a week. But it was literally imagine, the most imagine fun that flight. imagine that <laughs> Mister Mister Ad Revenue Hungry YouTuber doesn't even want to share on the, on his own podcast what happened because apparently even we have to wait for the video. Okay, well, go on. Keep it's going. just that we don't really have much time for me to keep telling stories, but it was literally the <laughs> most fun flight I have had in years. It was like flying a historic artifact. Everything in the plane was so <laughs> old. And in such rough shape. Oh my shape. god! But that's what that's what made it feel like I'm on a seven four seven four hundred. I am on. You know, you can fly it on Lufthansa still on Asiana. Yeah. But this was really a feeling of going back to an age where the seven four seven was everywhere. It was such a cool experience, and the the flight was. I expected it to be full to the brim with pilgrims. Yeah, There were like 50 people on board this almost 500 seat 747. So it was like a huge playground. Wow. The flight attendants were so excited to have. The, first of all, everyone literally at every point in the journey, people were like, you're going to Medina? Are you sure? <laughs> Are you at the right <laughs> check-in? Are you at the right gate? Are you on the right plane? <laughs> but yeah, everyone... It was just so such a special. You should experience. have you should have confused them all every time somebody asked you you're going to Medina. You should have just said Inshallah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and and keep it at that. <laughs> yeah, just keep that. Who are they to judge? Who are they to judge? <laughs> yeah, um, but the reason you know there's some sketchy like for example in Iran you can fly a lot of old sketchy planes, but. Given that it yeah. was Saudi leased by a from a European airline, I felt like at least the safety standard will be there. So the safety isn't as yeah. much a concern as it would be flying some other retro planes. So it was kind of the best of both worlds. The in-flight service was the normal Saudi business class solve product, which is great. So yeah, overall, a huge week of adventures for me at least. <laughs> Wow, it sounds like it. I once in in the in one of the lounges at JFK, I once got talking with two off duty crew that were positioning that worked for Air Atlanta Europe, and it's funny. It's like it's almost like it's a secret airline, as you said. There's there's just very very little known about their operations and what they do. And I mean, ultimately, it is a wet lease slash dry lease slash charter airline, but they are much more under the radar than others you know it's um the other totally. carriers that are doing this like like high fly were you know were very active titan airways based out of the uk 
Um, even uh, Vamos, who are the Spanish 747 operator that are still, um, Vamos are still doing flights for Etihad uh, to and yeah. from Abu Dhabi on, on certain routes. You know, but big, still, there's, there is yeah. still more known about them. A big difference is that Air Atlanta is, um, how should I say this? Undercover. There's no, they don't have their own livery. When they lease out their planes, they get painted in the airline livery. They don't have you yeah. know, their own. So the interesting thing was this flight was completely served by Air Atlanta cabin crew and pilots. But the crew was all yeah. Filipino, Indonesian, Moroccan, like you would normally get on Saudia. But they're like, no, we work for Air Atlanta. And they're yeah. on like these weird contracts where they stay in Saudi for a few weeks, then they go home for a few weeks. So the whole thing is very yes. Those yeah. <laughs> those two off duty, the two off duty crew that I was speaking with in in JFK, that they, they had also they were also telling me about that. You know, their working pattern just sounded completely bizarre because they were leaving the US where they had been for a few weeks. And I, do you know? I think at the time they were doing stuff for Norwegian. Do you remember when Norwegian Air first got a bunch of Dreamliners and they were all so tech <laughs> yeah. faulty and they were all going tech everywhere? I mean, the whole operations it lasted like a whole summer, and uh, they were calling in different carriers to to help. That um, that was then. I think I may have even been flying Norwegian back. I can't remember. Anyway, yeah, so, I remember you did. Well, that's really trip, interesting. But- you, I think you did get the dream, Dreamliner, right? Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I did the Dreamliner when it first entered service. Uh, that was on just a, a European route from Gatwick to Stockholm. I think Oslo. Oslo. You already no, told the story on the podcast. It was Oslo, Gardermoen. Yeah, yeah. There you go. It's that one. Uh, and then I think I did it about a month later. Yeah, to to JFK. All yeah, right. I assume. Yeah. But yeah, now now they're now they're reborn as someone else. Kind of. I mean, it's kind of it's separate, but linked it's norse who a lot of norse if you've seen the uh now norwegian low-cost long-haul carrier that are flying from a lot of places that norwegian used to fly from across europe to the u.s their fares are very very competitive so much so that a couple of my neighbors have asked me about them because they're receiving their ads on Instagram or it's appearing for them when they're in Skyscanner. Uh, you know, I've had my neighbor say, Alex, what do you think of Norse? Because, you know, I can go to, L- supposedly I can go to LA for 350 round trip with them. And uh, so- And uh, you're just like, uh, I don't think of Norse. <laughs> making waves. <laughs> I haven't flown them. I always, I say to them, look, it's a, it's a modern aircraft. The airline so far, the reputation is is fine in terms of reliability, and they're not fa- they're not facing too many difficulties. There are horror story reviews online in terms of you know, lack of service and this that the other. But you have to know what you're what you're going in for when you're paying a, a low fare for a low cost long haul carrier, and you can't be expecting all of the bells and whistles. So I think as long as you know what you're what you're paying for and you set your expectations based on that, then you are fine. And speaking of expectations Australia have been expecting <laughs> Turkish the Airlines <laughs> to launch flights for years I mean this has just been an ongoing conversation Turkish Airlines is going to fly to Australia Turkish Airlines is going to fly to Australia you know Turkish Airlines they're going to fly to Australia it is <laughs> it is has been the conversation down under for so long and finally we have confirmation that Turkish Airlines will be flying to Australia, launching a Melbourne service in March, which is really big news because 
there are there is a lot of pent up travel demand still in Australia. And also Melbourne is home to so many Mediterranean, East Mediterranean and Arab communities. For example, look at the Greeks. I'm Greek, so we'll, we'll use the Greeks as an example. <laughs> the most number of Greeks outside of Athens are in Melbourne in Australia, including half of my cousins. Shout out Anna, Julia, Steph, Marika, everyone else. The reality is Australia is underserved by global carriers, by foreign carriers that are going to be connecting Australia along the kangaroo route with destinations across Europe and so on. And Turkish Airlines is going to be one of those carriers. Remember that Turkish Airlines for uh, a long time and until today still says that it flies to more countries than any other airline on earth. And the the connectivity there, meaning that they will be, you know, one day, one stop via Istanbul, means it, it's almost like another golf carrier in terms of the experience. But what I will say is that on this Melbourne flight, as you know, there is roughly a 90 minute layover in Singapore in both directions. So if you are Australian, if you are in Australia and you're going to be using the new route with Turkish Airlines, it does include a stop in Singapore, whereas the Gulf carriers still, you know, you're, you're skipping all of Asia and you're arriving in the Middle East for your one stop connection to everywhere else. So hopefully this will help with fares, though, is what I, I hope in the long run. Yeah, in the long run, definitely. There is... I love how we just like we're talking about random stuff for 40 minutes and now we're like the news. But there was a discussion I really wanted to have related to the news, which was about this passenger who was sitting on a Virgin Atlantic flight out of Manchester. We don't know if the passenger worked for an airline or, or what his industry knowledge was, but he was looking out the window and he just thought, that's weird. There's four screws or bolts that look like they're missing. So he reported it to the crew, who then reported it to the pilots, and the flight ended up being cancelled because this passenger noticed something that if it had gone unnoticed, the flight would have proceeded and, I mean, something probably wouldn't have happened because it was four screws out of over a hundred, but it's still interesting that it led to a cancellation and it, it, it makes for an interesting discussion at what points should passengers intervene because I think for most people, people most passengers you're always thinking what is that noise what is does this look normal when 99.999 percent of the time it's nothing weird right it's true it's i mean when do you in, in this scenario the the gentleman had noticed that what he looked like what what he thought looked like several screws were missing and when he alerted the cabin crew the cabin crew seemed to alert the flight deck and the pilots were then calling the engineers and the engineers came out and he saw he literally saw them climb onto the aircraft wing and use a tool to tighten down some of the fasteners now airbus uh, an airbus engineer so i think this is uh, an employee of virgin atlantic but he's quoted in saying that actually it, the affected panel was a secondary structure so it was only one used to improve the aerodynamics of the aircraft it wasn't anything that was um, uh, ultimately vital in terms of to ensure the the safe flight that was about to uh, to depart. He says that each of the panels has 119 fasteners, so there was no impact to the structural integrity or the load capability of the wing. The aircraft was safe to operate, and as I just said, he said it was just to improve aerodynamics. Do you think this flight would have been cancelled if 
Alaska Airlines 737 Max with loose bolts and a whole ruptured thing. If that hadn't happened a few weeks ago, do you think this Virgin flight will have will have still been cancelled? Mm, good question. I mean, it has literally uh, nothing uh, to do with Alaska. It was an Airbus A330, so it's completely. Uh, uh, but what do they have in common? What do they have in common? Screw, the the passenger screw? thought he saw loose bolts. Yeah, and and so I I couldn't help but think. Was he looking at the bolts because he had seen the headlines? I mean, this story has had complete cut through. Everybody knows about it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it it's just something that I wondered. So I wanted to ask you, has there ever been a situation where you have been on a flight, especially before takeoff, and thought, hmm, that's a bit, this smell is weird or this sound is weird, and thought, should I tell the crew? Not that I can recall. It's a good question. No, I don't think so. I remember there was one time where I, there hasn't been any maintenance thing where I've been like, that's weird. But there was one such memorable time for me when I was flying to the UK, still in high school with my friends on like a it was sort of a school inspired trip for our literature class to London on Ryanair. So I was with my two friends sitting behind the wing. What a way, to, sorry, sorry, but what a way, what a way to kick off a literature trip on <laughs> Ryanair. So that, I you know, know, the first bit of pure English you hear is a, is a damn right lie that they, that you've arrived on time. <laughs> the airline <laughs> the trumpet class. thing at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we pushed back, taxi to the runway in Gothenburg, flying to Stansted. It's a very snowy, stormy day. As the engines start spooling up for takeoff, our flaps are still not down. The engines are spooling up. And I'm thinking, okay, this someone has missed a checklist. So I'm like, this is not good. We're not supposed to take off without flaps. It was a completely sold out flight. So that then my mind starts going, should I press the crew call bell? But will anyone come in the middle of takeoff oh, roll? God. It was, I was like, are we going to crash? Am I going to have a viral video? What's going on? <laughs> oh my gosh. Literally halfway down the runway, the crew extend the flaps. So clearly someone must have forgotten or I don't know what was going on. Like maybe the, the de-icing hadn't worked yet. Regardless, I don't think that was supposed to be procedure no thankfully they extended them but i was like what is going on we're rolling down the runway and the flaps are being extended right now yeah that's that's a bit mad i mean that would have been scary as well in that moment of you knowing but thinking you know you you know that that's supposed to be down but why were they not and then the fact that they then confirm it to you by putting them down once yeah you're accelerating <laughs> down the runway is, you know, yeah, gives you that moment, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, speaking of not a good situation, at least for JetBlue, because over in the US, <laughs> a federal judge has blocked the purchase uh, that JetBlue wanted to make of Spirit Airlines. And this is all after the Justice Department sued to stop the merger, basically saying that if there is further consolidation in the US, so basically if they allow JetBlue to purchase Spirit and there is that merger... They worry that it will drive up fares for an already kind of price sensitive market. I mean, we know how fares have been historically high over the last couple of years. They've come down uh, quite a bit, thankfully. But the the reality is that, I mean, you know, Jet, JetBlue proposed a three and a half or so billion dollar purchase of the ultra low cost carrier Spirit. I, I mean, is it fair to categorize Spirit as the Ryanair of the US? 
Yes, although they're very different, but they are the closest equivalent. Yeah. Spirit are friendlier, right? Well, there's different degrees of unfriendly, but Spirit, for example, has <laughs> like some technically business class seats at the front that you can pay to select that are actually much better than any business class you'll get on most European airlines. They. But what I'm thinking of specifically, I'm thinking of specifically, they're not as, am I right in saying, I mean, I haven't flown Spirit. Okay. Neither have I, uh, actually. Next, Are you yeah, surprised? I don't believe you. <laughs> anyway, we, <laughs> we, I wanted to ask, isn't it the case that they are far more generous and relaxed about things like onboard hand luggage and uh, checked in bags and so on compared to, for example, Ryanair that are like absolutely filled with sheer excitement at the thought of an Italian flight full of excess hand luggage and they can't <laughs> wait to make so much revenue on gates checking and blah, blah, blah. Is that fair? I think the answer is it depends. I think they are much more relaxed about that than Frontier, the other U.S. Uh, ultra low cost carrier. But I wouldn't say that, for example, Ryanair never weighs people's hand luggage in Gothenburg or measures it. So I think it's about really what station you're flying Ryanair from that makes them more or less cruel. Probably, I, I don't know what determines where which markets they're more strict in, but for some reason, Gothenburg yeah. has always been spared. So I am thankful yeah. for that. It's funny when you get a mix of, you know, as you say, how airports typically try have this, many airports have a low-cost carrier mentality and some don't and it mixes with a legacy airline because i just flew a, a ba operated flight back um well a week ago from um southern spain before coming to to connect to the gulf and the ba flight was operated by finnair and when the finnair aircraft arrived on stand from london and ba are using around four finnair aircraft it's with fully finnair flight so finnair flight attendants uh, pilots and so on uh, they're operating because BAs have been short of aircraft for quite a while and Finnair have an extra amount of aircraft kind of laying around waiting to fly because of the ongoing sanctions with Russia and Russia's airspace closure. It means they were left with a extra capacity. So the flight, and this is really short, but the the aircraft arrived from London really early to Malaga, which is wonderful. And so what the ground staff did at Malaga was open for boarding around an hour and five, hour and 10 minutes before departure, which is very, very unusual. And they they were so, I mean, we literally just cleared immigration. We were so early, we were thinking, okay, let's go and find somewhere to, to chill. And suddenly I was like, we're boarding. I mean, they were announcing boarding for group one, for One World Emerald and blah, blah, blah. So I said, okay, we can, we can go. So we went and there was no one at the gate. I mean, it was just open for boarding. It was as if everyone had already boarded. <laughs> so beep, we go. We walk down the jet bridge and they hold us there at the front of the jet bridge. And of course, we're standing on the jet bridge for a while and a queue builds up behind us. And then the dispatcher comes down the jet bridge and she walks to the front and she says to the cabin crew, like this is happening in front of us, come on, it's time for boarding, you have to board. And he said, one of the cabin crew said, he said, we cannot board without our captain. And she said, so where is the captain? And he, he said he has gone to get coffee. He will be back. Now, the captain's gone to get coffee for his crew because this is their break. This is their, their, their layover, if you like, the turnaround time 
was extended. Remember, this is not EasyJet and Ryanair where they're doing it, you know, kind of 30 minutes. It was well over like an hour and a half. So, you know, they, they had factored in some time to for the captain to go and get coffee for his crew. So 10 minutes later, the captain, bless him, makes this awkward journey down the jet bridge past everyone saying, excuse me, excuse me, holding six coffee cups, right? And he's saying, excuse me. And and these Brits are saying, oh, 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 nice. The, the guy at the front said, oh, nice of you to join us finally, Captain. Like, oh, welcome on board, he said, like, taking the pee. And it was, I felt sorry for the crew because... What we had only boarded stupidly early because the grand staff in Malaga have this kind of, you know, low cost mentality of, you know, just get everyone on and hold them. And we can say they're boarded because we've scanned their boarding pass, but yeah. it, we haven't actually boarded. We're all we're all balancing on a jet bridge that I hope can take the weight of 100 people <laughs> just standing still, you know, static. Does that ever cross your mind, by the way? Yes, I I hate stopping at the opening of the jet bridge. I will I will either stand yeah. back or just try yeah. to cram onto the first inch of the aircraft. I will not stand there because I think if this falls, I'm not falling out. No, but also these jet bridges were not, many of them are not designed to have, a, were not designed a hundred years ago to, to have a hundred odd people standing and and remaining static and still. The idea is flow, you know, you keep it moving. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the the uh, captain comes on and then after five minutes boarding begins once boarding was complete and all passengers were on board he came on to do his announcement to update us about weather on route and flight time and then he gave this sincere 10 minute long explanation of saying i just want to take a moment to apologize what just happened in the jet bridge he said because we had not instructed the airport to begin boarding we would never board you one hour five minutes before our departure time we have a slot we have a relatively light load on this flight and we would not be departing any earlier than that slot he said and i'm so sorry that uh, optics wise uh, they decided without even consulting us to cram you all into the jet bridge and then you had to watch me pass you bringing back <laughs> coffee for my crew during our break he said this is not our policy i don't know why they did this and i want to apologize it was so he I know it was so obvious in his long explainer. We were all looking at each other like, oh, he's he's really affected he's by it. Like he's kind of embarrassed by what just happened. Bless him. And it wasn't his fault at all. And uh, and I think he maybe he wouldn't have done it had that other, had the passenger, the Brit, not have said like, oh, Captain, nice of you to show up. And it's like, That's no, so... buddy, we're just ridiculously early because the grand staff think this is a Ryanair flight and they just want to, you know, get everyone into that yeah. holding pen. So... Yeah, I don't know how we got to the subject of that. We were talking about low-cost carriers and spirit and so on. But yeah. what you needed to know from that segment, that part, is that the judge has blocked the merger. If JetBlue had acquired Spirit and the plans were to convert all of Spirit's aircraft into the JetBlue layout and to charge JetBlue's higher fares than, than Spirit's fares, and, it, I mean, ultimately it would have made the fifth largest U.S. carrier with, with that tie-up. But... Uh, at the moment, it's been blocked. Now, they are going to appeal it. And so this story isn't over. The shares of Spirit plunged almost 50% when this news was out. Uh, on the other side, JetBlue saw some gains by around 5-6%. So it's, uh, it's just the market's perceptions of how they feel that, you know, for Spirit, this is probably 
I mean, Spirit being acquired by JetBlue is a better deal for Spirit in terms of the uh, from an investment point of view and for investors in order to to have the airline become the fifth largest in in the country. But uh, for JetBlue, I mean, it's not one hundred percent necessary, and I think that is reflective in the fact that investors were still completely okay with the fact that it was blocked by a judge and the uh, the jet price rose for, yeah. for JetBlue. I think the the significant thing here is that this is a bit of a change of tone for the U.S. because. Over the past decade and a half, there have obviously been three very famous mergers that have created what we now have Delta, American, and United, three of the world's biggest airlines, three airlines that basically have uh, oligopolistic power in many U.S. markets, meaning the prices are very high, they have a lot of control, and consumers are sort of at the mercy of them. So this merger which would basically create the elimination of one of the only big ultra low cost airlines in the US has been blocked just because I mean it's largely it's largely political because people are unhappy with what the flying experience is like they're unhappy with the prices and they don't want US airlines having more consolidation and more pricing power and just reducing competition even further so it's good in that sense. And the I think you're right. Is, it's a, it's the question a, is just if Spirit will stay around because they're not doing yeah. that well financially. And and you're right because it's as you say, it's that change of this is this is different to the norm. We've we've usually seen consolidation happen in the US. This seems to be a kind of I mean, they, they do seem to be making an example out of this JetBlue Spirit merger in order to say this will not happen and we will, you know, to, to just kind of it goes against um, the, the previous kind of business as usual approach when they consolidate, they form those big three carriers, as you said, and so on. Yeah. On that note, I really wish we had time for Q&A, but today's episode has been so long. We did so much Q&A last time that I think we have to save questions for next week. This has been a very unusual episode of storytelling. And I, I mean, maybe I think it's fun for variety's sake, you know. Instead of going to questions, I'm going to read a response from Anne-Marie because Anne-Marie sent a follow-up to some of the questions that I had asked you in last week's episode. And so we shall end on this. This is from Anne-Marie via Instagram. She said, Hi, Alex. Melbourne is so much better than Sydney for many reasons. Mind you, as a Melbourneian, I am legally required to bag out Sydney at any given chance. I always knew I liked you better than Dan. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Anne-Marie, for that <laughs> wonderful message. <laughs> Don't worry, Anne-Marie. I like you despite you liking Alex more than me. And we can agree <laughs> to disagree. To be fair, I haven't been to Melbourne since 2019. And I haven't spent more than a week in either place. So I'm not the most qualified person to say, but yeah, I'm I'm sincerely sorry about that. I haven't been to Melbourne in forever but I still love it. And it's great to watch the Australia Open. I've been watching the Australian Open right now and the matches are in Melbourne and kind of wish I was there. Yeah, yeah it's it's tough when there's so many places you want to go or feel like you should go all the time and then there's just not enough time and at the same time you don't want to exhaust yourself and you have work. But I'm sure there's a million places that you really want to go it's just that it it never really happens tokyo (laughs) i know 
or just, you know, back to Beverly Hills. Who knows? Maybe next week. Okay. With that, we will wrap up. Thank you. And please do feel free to send in your questions for next week's episode so that we can uh, get to them and discuss your talking points. In the meantime, we wish you a pleasant week until we speak again next week and safe onward travels. See you next week on air. Bye bye. See you later.